Assalamu alaikum warahmatullahi wabarakatuh. This is Abdul Nasser Jengda, and you're listening to the Qalam Podcast. The Qalam Podcast has become an important part of people's lives all around the world. There are millions of people benefiting from the podcast every single day. Thousands of hours of content, dozens of different series from all the different teachers and scholars here at Qalam. All of this is delivered to the community free of charge. We are excited and actively working to grow and increase our efforts to deliver more and more benefit to the community. We ask you to support our efforts and become part of the Qalam family. Please go to qalamfamily.com and sign up to contribute to this Sadaqa Jariyah on a monthly basis. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept from all of us Jazakumullahu khairan wassalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim. Alhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Wa salatu wa salam ala Sayyidina wa Nabiyana wa Mawlana Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam. Allahumma inna nas'aluka hubbak wa hubba man yuhibbuk wa hubba amalan yuqarribuna ila hubbik ya arhamar rahimeen. Um... This is our fourth class of the journey uh, in which we're talking about the journey of the soul into the Akhirah. And the topic obviously is a heavy topic because um, the Prophet himself told us, Remember often that thing which breaks pleasure. Um, and so we don't really enjoy talking about uh, death in the journey because it puts things into perspective and it makes us realize there are a lot of shallow parts of our lives that need to be uh, deprioritized maybe and parts that are important that need to be prioritized and talking about death forces us to really take those things, things into consideration. Um, with that said, this is our fourth session um, and we're continuing with this journey. Uh, we've discussed remembrance of death. We've discussed the moments of death. We've discussed the journey of the soul up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and meeting the other souls. And then we talked about how the soul comes back to the body. And that is where the, the pleasure of the grave begins or the punishment of the grave uh, begins. Um, and so last week we started to talk about the questions. We talked in detail about the questions that the angels would ask. And um, one of the things that I, uh, I, I read, and I didn't mention it last week, but one of the hadith says that, when the believer is in the grave and the angels ask that question, they start to ask these three questions, it will look to the believer like the sun is setting, like Asr time right now. And the believer, you know, when the sun starts setting, we all start to like, yo, I got to get my Asr. So the believer will say to the angels, usalli, like, yo, hold up. I know you got questions, but I got to pray. And the angels will be like, no, no, you're done. That's over now. You passed the test. Like, but that attachment to salah was still there in that moment. Um, so we talked about the questions being asked, and we talked about the three questions that will be asked. And then what we said is now, this point in the grave, this is very important, this time in the grave until the day of judgment is called barzakh, uh, this time in between. In between what? Well, in between life in this world and in between the day of judgment, right? And so the Prophet said that from this point on, this grave is either a garden of Jannah or this grave is either, can be a pit from the fire of hell. Um, 
And um, yo, today, today's hadith are heavy, yo. I'm just gonna be real with you. Like today's hadith are, are, are heavy. Um, and if this is your first time ever coming to my halakha and you're like, yo, that dude is too, like, like you gotta listen to the podcast, all right? But today's gonna be heavy. And let me tell you though, here's the deal. We always talk in Roots and Qalam about taking your spirituality into your own hands. And how I've mentioned so many times that there's some times where you need hope. You need hope. And you need to read the hadith that give you hope. Like, Shafa'ati li ahlil kaba'in min ummati. The Prophet says, like, my intercession is for the people of major sins. Like, there's times when you need those hadith of hope, right? Because that hope motivates you. But there's other times when sins are right in front of you that you need fear. Right? And those are the two things that the believer moves forward, hope and fear. And everyone's like, well, how do I get that fear? And I'm like, well, you didn't want to hear it when we was talking about it, though. You feel me? So today's hadith, just mark it, podcast four, I need to fear God. You feel me? Just mark it. Like those times when you like, I need the fear right now, come back to this joint. Let's just get into it, inshallah ta'ala. In Bukhari, there's a hadith where the Prophet Sallallahu it says, the Prophet Sallallahu he passed by two graves. Marran Nabi Sallallahu ala qabarain. The Prophet Sallallahu he passed by two graves. And he was talking to the Sahaba, he said, Innahuma la yu'adhaban. These people in these graves right now are being punished. Wama yu'adhabani fi kabir. And they're not even being punished for something that was a big deal. Now what that means is, if you had just been woke to it, it would have been easy to handle. But because they didn't handle it, now they're being handled. Because they didn't take care of these two things, they're feeling the punishment from these two things. So he's like, they're being punished and they were not even a big deal. The reason that's important, because a lot of us, we're going to hear these things and you're kind of like, oh, wow, man, for that I'm being punished? I'm like, yeah, the prophet literally said it's not that big of a deal. But the issue is we didn't prioritize it. It was easy to do, but you didn't prioritize it. Here we go. As far as one of them, he used to walk around and uh, spread gossip. Namima is specifically when you like, he said, she said. You call one cousin, call one auntie, and you'd be like, did you hear what Mamu said? And then you call another one, and you'd be like, did you hear what Grandma said? She said such and such, and you're just passing it, and you just love it. You're just passing it around. It, it, it's, it's so destructive. Now, I want to be specific. Namima is naqulul kalam ala wajhul ifsad. That's the definition. Namima is when you spread gossip with the intention of causing fitna, just to stir up the tea. You know what I mean? Just to stir it up. And I think what we all have to do is be very, very real with ourselves. When you call family members, and I'm mentioning family because it happens a lot in family. It happens a lot with family. When you're calling and you're spreading, yo, did you hear what he said to her? Yo, they might be getting divorced, yo. Like, what? What are you doing? Yo, chill out. So number one is namima. It's a very, very bad disease. And it happens so much now, especially with social media. Especially just, uh, I didn't share it, I just liked it. I didn't share it, I just, just liked it. Just a heart, yo, red heart, that's it. I 
didn't share it though. Very dangerous, Namima. As far as the other one, they weren't careful with najasa. One of the things I loved about Islam converting was, was it taught me how to be a clean person, a clean man. That's funny, right? That's funny. Like, I didn't know, bro. I didn't know. I mean, like, you, are, you young, you getting the lessons young. No, seriously, it taught the importance of tahara and cleanliness. And for men especially, subhanAllah, the Prophet ﷺ, he said clearly, like, be careful about urine and, and najasa. Make sure you're careful with that. And, and low-key, it's a lesson that a lot of us didn't get from pops. And so when you hear this hadith, you're like, word? I didn't even know that was a big deal. Yes, it's, the Prophet really emphasized, especially for men. This was specifically a lesson for men that the Prophet was like, you have to be very careful about urine. And like the najasa and filth being on you. Because if that najasa is on you, then how does that affect your prayer? How does that affect your smell? How does that affect all of, you know, all of that? And so one thing I'll say, you know, y'all, I just, y'all, my holla, because you got to be real. I remember high school, the locker rooms, yo, and alhamdulillah for Islam, yo. Yeah, 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 yeah. See? <laughs> Abu Bakr, they fronting like they don't know. They don't know. We have a blessing of Islam. Just say that. That's enough. And so just, this was the other thing. Is be, the second person wasn't careful about the istinja and being careful about urine. And so the Prophet said him, now you, again, you may say like, oh my goodness, is it trivial? Naudhu billah. And the Prophet's like, he literally said they're not being punished for something that was that big. Meaning it was easy for you to really take care of your najasa. You just had to be a little slower, take your time, bring your water, clean yourself properly. You would have been good. But these people didn't take care of that. And so it affected all of the rest of their spirituality. And then the Prophet ﷺ, he did something really interesting. The Prophet The Prophet said, bring me a stick, like a fresh twig. And he broke it. And he stuck it into the graves. And he said, because there's life in these plants, inshallah, I hope that through the barakah of putting these plants there, it will make it easy for them until these plants die. Now, some of the scholars say, if there's any proof for putting flowers at a grave, that's it right there. Right? If there's any proof, God knows best. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best. Now, here is a more explicit narration where the Prophet specifically talks about different punishments of the grave. On Samur ibn Jundub, okay, I'm gonna, I got so many like disclaimers. This hadith is graphic, but I'm gonna keep it light. I'm gonna translate it, but I'm gonna keep it light. But again, the graphic nature of it is for that purpose of that, that, that seriousness. Oh, yo, uh, we really need y'all to slide up just because they're getting squished in the back. Inshallah. Jazakallah khair. So look at this. Samarul Tibni Jundub, he says that one day the Prophet when the Prophet used to pray Salatul Fajr, he would turn around towards us and talk to us. And he would say, he would say, Men ra'a Did anybody see a, a, a dream last night? And if someone saw a dream, they would say it to him and he'd say, MashaAllah, MashaAllah. فَسَأَلَنَا يَوْمًا One day he asked, he said, has anyone seen a dream? فَقَالَ هَلْ رَأَى مِنْكُمْ أَحَدٍ مِنْكُمْ رُؤْيًا 
Everybody's like, nah, you know, like, I guess that day they was like us. I don't get no dreams. The Prophet said, but last night I saw a dream. And the dreams of the Anbiya are a form of revelation, guys. When Abraham was ordered to slaughter his son, how did he see that? Did, a, did an angel come? Nah, he saw a dream. So for the prophets, dreams are a form of revelation. So he says, last night I saw a dream. Two men, two men came to me. They grabbed my hand. And they took me to Beitul Maqdas. When I got there, I saw a man sitting down. This is where it gets heavy, y'all. I saw a man sitting down on his knees, facing this way. And another man standing behind him. And this man who's standing behind him has this hook, a sharp hook. I'm going to try to not be graphic. And he would put it in his mouth, the man who was sitting. And he would yank it back. And then he would go to the other side and he would yank that side. And by the time he finished doing that second side, the first side was healed already. And then he would come back to the first side. The Prophet said, I'm like, what is this? What is going on here? The two people, they said, let's roll. Keep up. They didn't want to tell him yet. So we kept walking and then we saw another man who was laying, on, laying flat on the back of his head, like laying flat on his back. And there's another man standing over him with a very big rock in his hand. And then he would throw the rock down. And then the rock would roll off. And so the man who was standing would go and he would pick up the rock. And then he would go, he would go and grab the rock. And by the time he came back, the person's head was back the way it was. And he would do it again and do it again. The prophet's like, what am I seeing? Mahada, what is this? What is this? And the two, the two people, they're like, come on, let's roll. We got to go. Then we came to this, this kind of hole that was like an oven, but in a cone shape where the top of it was small and the bottom was, was very big. And, and underneath it was, was fire. And then whenever the fire would, would, would kind of ignite, inside of this, this cone were hundreds and thousands of naked men and women. And I need you to picture this. And every time it would ignite, they would like, I'm not being funny. Do you know when you make tea, right? Yeah, exactly. With the tea with the milk, and it starts to go up, and you take it off and it comes down, exactly how the prophet described it. They would, they would go up, and then it would be pulled off the fire, and then they would come back down. And then it would be lit up, and it would go up again, and then it would fall back down. And the prophet's like, what am I seeing? What is this? And they're like, come on, we got to keep going. And then we came to a river filled with blood. And there was a man standing at the bank of the river with a whole bunch of rocks next to him. And in the middle of the river, there was one man trying to swim to the, sh to, the, to the shore. And as he would swim and get right to the shore, the man with the rocks, he would just throw one at him. And it would hit him. And he would, and he would fall back. And he would do it again and again and again. And then it says, Again, the prophet keeps asking, what am I seeing? What is all this? And the, the two people, they're like, no, let's go. He's like, then we went and we reached this green garden. 
It was beautiful. I've never seen colors like this before. Colors unimaginable, beyond the spectrum of our spectrum, wavelength of colors. I've never seen these colors before. And he says, in the middle of this garden was this large tree. And at the, at the tree trunk is one man sitting there. And hundreds if, or thousands of little children dressed in the most gorgeous clothes are running around. They're running around and he's sitting there. But he says, and right off to the side, I saw this one man. He didn't look very attractive. He had a, a rough faith, face and he was playing with fire in front of him. He's playing with fire in front of him. The Prophet wasallam, he says, I didn't even ask. I knew what they would say. So he says, they grabbed my hand and they took me up this tree. They, put, they brought me into this room, this house. I've never seen a room, a house so beautiful as this. Inside there were elderly people, young people, men, women, children. They're all there and I've never seen anyone so beautiful. Then they said, come on, we're not done with this journey. They took me up to the next room above it. And wallah, it was more beautiful than the one before. So the prophet stops. He goes, I said, listen, y'all. You took me on this journey tonight. What did I just see? What did I just see? And they said, okay, listen up. You know the one who was on his knees and there was a hook being put here and it was being pulled back? Listen to these words of the prophet. He says, that was the one. This is a person who, when they were living, they told lies. And when they told lies, their lies reached the horizon. I don't know if y'all realize how deep this hadith is right here. Because right now, if you press send, the whole world sees your tweet, sees your post, sees whatever you share. I, I can't imagine, imagine being a sahaba hearing this. Somebody tells a lie, and their lie, me sitting here in Mecca right now, I tell a lie, and it reaches the horizons? How? But here we are right now, we see how clear that is. So the Prophet said that first person was a person who is not careful, they, they just, they, they lie. And, and I, listen, the most important place to start being truthful is to yourself. Once you learn to be truthful to yourself, then you move out to the next level, truthful to other people, and then truthful before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But start with the truthfulness to yourself. Next person. And then, here's the key. The Prophet was then told by the angels, this will happen till this person, until the day of judgment. That's how we know this is adabul qabr. This is happening in the grave. You feel me? Because then the angel said, this is going to happen until when? Until the day of judgment. That means day of judgment hasn't happened yet. This is adabul qabr. This is the punishment that's happening in the grave. Let's keep going. Yo, listen, man. It's motivation. It's, it's, it's hindsight. It's 2020. It's realizing I don't want to be that person on Yom Al-Qiyamah and today's the day I change my life. Every opportunity is a new opportunity for Tawbah. Never should you hear these and lose hope. If shaitan whispers in your ear like, oh, you're done now, you see, you're done. Then you've, you've missed it. The reason we're told this is to, to change. Let's keep going. 
So the next one, what about the one who was laying flat on his back and the rock was being put on, hit, hit his head and then he would pick up the rock and come back. It's a person that Allah gave him the Quran. They memorized it, they learned it. At night time, they just went to sleep. They didn't pray with it. And in the daytime, they didn't do action on it. That's a scary one, you know. This will continually be done to this person over and over again until the day of judgment. All those naked people that you saw inside of that, that, that cone-like oven. Who are those people? The two people, they said, Those are the people of zina from the world. Allah protect us. Allah protect us. Allah protect us. You know, the scholars, they say the punishments, that the, the punishment, it always matches the action. What that means is, for example, what's the reward for walking to Fajr in Isha? It's nighttime, it's dark. What's the reward for going to Fajr in Isha? Complete light on the day of judgment. You, you feel me? The punishment always matches the action. You feel me? And uh, if you just look at these, man, from that perspective, is is heavy. What about that person in the river of blood? Akilo riba. The person that kept consuming riba. Allah protect us, man. Allah protect us. I mean, riba is serious, y'all. There's only two actions that the prophet said are considered war against God. One is consuming riba. And what is riba? Just everyone, most people don't even know what it really is. Riba is money for money with, with added. Money for money. Like, yo, here's 100. I'll pay you back 150, 120, right? And... Uh, the other one was whoever goes against a friend of God. The hadith says that on a day, on a day of judgment, not qabr, on the day of judgment, the angels will give them weapons. Here's your weapons. This person is on the day of judgment. Well, I don't need weapons. Yes, you do. It's war. You're going to war with God. Here are your weapons. May Allah protect us. May Allah protect us. May Allah protect us. I mean, the prophet told us we would live in a time, there would time would come where you, it would be almost impossible to escape riba. It would be everywhere. It would be everywhere. So you just try your best, be cognizant of it, be cognizant of it, um, and ask Allah for ways out of it. A lot of us, we got caught in like student debt, all these things before we even know. I didn't know. So you just try your best, man, just to get out of that and do toba. Again, shaitan wants you to feel after this, oh, I'm done, yo. <laughs> we're, we're done, yo. You heard that lecture today? Khalas, yo. We chilling now. No, that's shaitan. Be motivated. No, go forward. Do toba. Let's keep going. What about the person that was at the tree? The old man that looked beautiful sitting at the tree. That was Ibrahim. And who are the children? Those are the children that died at a young age. Those are our children, our brothers and sisters that died at a young age. Infants, miscarriage, 
young child, Imam Kashif, subhanAllah, he lost his daughter, 12 years old. She's running around with Ibrahim right there at that tree playing with all the other kids. Playing tag, yo, with kids of Jannah. Come on, man. Allahu Akbar. Okay. What about that man that was looking sus in the corner next to the tree? You remember him? Playing with fire? Well, his name is Malik. He's the keeper of the Jahannam. His job is to keep the fire. So he was just over there keeping his skills tight with the fire, you know. That's his job. What about that room we went up to, the first room that we never seen? It was amazing. We saw elderly, young, and old, and everybody was there. He's like, that's the room that the believers are in waiting until Jannah. What about the room above that? Well, that's the room of the Shaheed, the Shuhada. You know, all our brothers in Philistine and the Uyghur Muslims dying. Shuhada, they're in that high room up there. High room up there. That's why you see some of the mothers with high iman. You saw that one, the sister, her mother, when she found out her, her son was Shaheed? Allahu Akbar. Because she knows he's in that high room up there. He's good. Then at that moment, they said, the two men, they said, now look. This is Gabriel. I'm Gabriel. This is Mikael. And then they had one more gift. They said, now we want you to look up. Look up there. And the prophet said to him, he says, I looked up at what looked like clouds. But when I looked close, I realized it wasn't clouds. It, it was the most vast castle and mansion I've ever seen and the most beautiful. And I said, what is that? They said, that's your home. And the hadith says, the Prophet ﷺ, he says, Barakallahu fikuma, salamu alaikum. The Prophet was like, may Allah bless y'all, I'm out. And they're like, no, 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 not yet, Habibi. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. The angels, they said to him, he says, manzili. The Prophet, he loved us, but if you're looking at your house in Jannah, you're like, yo, Ummati, Ummati, I'm out. <laughs> the Prophet said, Da'ani, let me go. And when I read the hadith, it was like, Barakallah fikum. I was like, Subhanallah. Like, Barakallah fikum, I'm out, yo. Thank you for the tour. I'm going home now. And then the angels, they say, Qala innahu they said, no, no, you got life left. <laughs> we got to take you back. <laughs> you haven't finished your life yet. <laughs> when you finish your life, this is your spot, yo. This is it for you. You got this. This is your spot. So here's the deal. Imam Qurtubi, in our book that we're studying, he says, Adabul Qabr is not just for the disbeliever and just for the hypocrite. As you can see, man, adabul qabr has to do with some of the actions that people didn't do in this life. The, 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 the uh, deficiencies that we had in our actions are cleaned through that punishment in the hereafter, in, in the qabr, unless we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for forgiveness. Now, before we continue the journey, I wanted to go over different things that protect us in the qabr. Because everybody's like, yo, this is heavy. I'm scared. Like, bro, what would, what's the action items, yo? Here we go. Listen to this. The Prophet ﷺ, he narrated. And it, well, this hadith is narrated from Ka'b bin uh, al-Akhbar. Qal, إِذَا وُذِيَ الْعَبْدِ Ibn Abid Dunyad narrates this narration. إِذَا وُذِيَ الْعَبْدَ الصَّالِحِ فِي قَبْرِهِ 
whenever a righteous person is placed in their grave, all of the righteous deeds that you did, they immediately run and come close to you. As-salat, siyam, al-hajj, wal-jihad, wal-sadaqah, all of the actions you did, they come. Now it's time. Remember the hadith. And, and uh, uh, Ustad Murphy was talking about this in the heart uh, uh, work. Like three things come with you to the grave. People and money and actions. Two of them leave, one stays. The actions stay there with you. They're with you. So again, look at your sadaqah, look at your charity, look at your prayer. Look at that as, as, as something that's going to be with you in the grave. So listen to this. All of these things come and they surround, they shroud this person in the grave. And the angels of punishment, because this person slipped up. This person, according to the text, like according to the rules, this person is supposed to get the punishment, right? And so, what, so the angels come, they're like, it's our duty. Remember I told you, angels, there's just like, whose duty is it? Like, I don't know you, Habibi, don't take this personal. Like, you're on this list, so we're coming through. So the, the, the narration says, The angels of punishment come, and they try to come from the feet. They try to come from the feet. The salah goes, uh-uh, uh-uh. This dude was standing on me all the time. Habibi. You know in Ramadan when the feet start to like, man. The salah comes at the feet, and it's just at your feet. Like, no, nah, no, nah, yo, these feet, they stood up for me. You're not coming this way. It's not happening. It's not happening. So the angels, they try to come from the head. The fasting says, no, 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 you can't come this way. You can't come. You know how long he was thirsty and parched mouth and stank breath and all that stuff? It's kind of funny, no, right, whatever. Okay, <laughs> trying to keep it a little light, you know what I mean? No, like headaches. When I read this for Siam, you, you know, first three days, of, man, those headaches be killer in Ramadan. But that's why the Siam comes from the head and those angels of punishment come and they're like, yo, back up, homie. This dude, he used to get headaches for, for us. Back up. He tries to come from the side of the body. This person struggle. Again, man, look at the people dying, at, subhanAllah, just because they're believers. That's it. And they want to stay at their home that they lived in for centuries. They're shuhada. So hajj and jihad comes to the side of the body. He's like, yo, back up. Back up off him. He got tired with his body for our sake. He, his body got tired in hajj and struggling in the path of God. Then the angels of Adab try to get in through his hands to punish him. And then who comes? Come on, guess, guess, guess. Sadaqah, your charity. When you reach in those pockets, when you swipe that card, that was your hands. So the sadaqah comes and goes, Kuffu an sahibi. Back up off my man. I'm serious, that's the translation. I'm kufu an sahibi. Sahibi, my man. Kufu an, back up. I mean, yes. It means stop, okay, but you get the point. 
How much charity came from these two hands? How much charity came from these two hands? That's why I'm saying, yes, it's scary, but it's inspirational too. Because now, now you start doing stuff with your hands. You're like, yo, 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 here you go. Here you go. You don't even put it down. You're like, no, take it from my hand, yo. Take it from my hand. Because you're on a whole different, like, subhanAllah. I want, those, I want these actions to come and protect me from this one, from this area. SubhanAllah. فَيُقَالْ هَنِيًا لَكَ So then finally, it will be said to this person, oh, I'm sorry, I actually skipped some, my bad. فَكَمْ إِنْ صَدَقَةً حَتَّى وَقَعَتْ فِي يَدِ اللَّهِ إِبْتِغَى وَجْهِ اللَّهِ How much sadaqah did he give with these hands? For the sake of Allah. فَلَا سَبِيلَ لَكُمْ عَلَيْهِ You can't touch this man here. فَيُقَالْ and finally, it will be said, Hani and Laka. You did good, young man, young woman. You did good. Who? To the person in the grave. The angels of Adab, like, we out. We can't get here. And then the angels of Rahma come and they open a gate into Jannah. And this person is now looking at Jannah until it's time for the resurrection. Now, last week, my man Haytham came up to me and he asked me a very important question. We've lost people, guys. We've lost grandparents, parents, fathers, mothers. And we don't know what, they were, what their iman was like. We don't know how their deeds were. And right now, as we read this, a lot of us are like, how's my dad doing, yo? And I want to share these hadith with you, bro. Bukhari and Abi Huraira, qala qala Rasulullah, idha matal insan, when one of us dies, in qata'a amalahu, all of our actions stop. It's it. Game over. Test is over. Illa thalatha. There's only three things that keep going. Sadaqatu jariyatun. A sadaqa that keeps on giving. Like water, a well, like whatever you could think of that just keeps giving after you. Number two. You taught somebody some knowledge and they pass it on. You know what I mean? Alhamdulillah. Waladun Salih and a righteous son or daughter. Yad'u lahu. Making dua for that person. In another hadith, the Prophet said, Allah will raise the status of a person in Jannah. Fayaqul, in the persons in Jannah, they like, Ya Rabbi, Anna lihada, how did I, my rank just get lifted up? Like, yo, I was at a level, all of a sudden, I level up, yo. You're like, oh, word? How did I level up? Because your kid made dua for you and asked Allah to forgive you. We could do a lot. We could do a lot. There's so much we could do. In another hadith, the Prophet said, Huge mountains of hasanat will come to a person on Yom Al-Qiyamah. And the person's like, Where is this coming from? And it will be said, because your son, your daughter made dua for you. That was it. That was it. So I wanted to read this because I, I felt like it's important for us to realize the actions that we do. If you're having trouble waking up for Fajr, you'll just remember this joint. Just remember that Fajr coming standing at your feet like Habibi. 
yo, I got you. Remember what I told you last week, where the one sheikh saw a dream where, where this old man was trying to protect him from something. But when he, he asked the man in his dream, he's like, who are you? He's like, I'm your actions, but I'm too weak. Right now is the time. And I want to share one more thing. There is one surah that the Prophet said, the person who reads it every single night is protected from Adab al Qabr. It's one of my favorite hadith. Anyone know? Surah Mulk. It's like 30 verses, yo. 30 verses. I mean, what? Like, if we read slow, it's going to take us like 10. Every night the Prophet would read it. Every night the Prophet would read it. Every night. And he said, this one surah. Because here's the deal. You know how it's like it comes from one direction and my man's like blocking that way? The hadith say like that surah comes and it's filling the gaps. Like if y'all slip up, I got him. I got him. I got her. So these are some of the things that um, can protect us. Uh, there's a hadith that says the one who dies on Yom al-Jum'ah is protected from Adab al-Qabr. The one who dies at the end of Ramadan is protected from Adab al-Qabr. The shaheed, the shaheed, the shaheed, the martyr is protected from Adab al-Qabr. So these are some aspects of the Qabr. And we're going to move forward on this journey, inshallah ta'ala. So, from this point on, this person is in the grave. Now, I need us all to understand that we all have this linear understanding of time. That's all we can think of. We can't think of any other breakdown of time except a linear one. But what you have to compare at this moment is sleep to uh, death to sleep. Because the same way time flies different when we're sleeping is the same way in the grave. Time is on a completely different spectrum. And so from the moment that the person, all this happens that we're reading, until the, the, the moment of Qiyamah, for us, centuries have gone past. Decades, centuries have gone past. But I read one narration where as this person is looking at their Jannah, they'll look at their spouse, one of their spouses, the female, she'll look at her husband of Jannah, and the, the guy who'll look at his wife of Jannah. And the narration says that he or she will reach out. Yeah, obviously, if you see your man of Jannah, you ain't going to sit there just like, oh, hi. You're going to be reaching. So the narration says that he'll reach out for her, and she'll reach out for him. And when she reaches, he... he pulls back, or she pulls back, and, and the person's hand gets caught in the necklace, because men in Jannah be got bling too, you know what I mean? Alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah, alhamdulillah. Finally, coming iced out in Jannah, man. Alhamdulillah. Inshallah, sorry, aunties and everything. Like, who's this dude, yo? Sorry. Okay, anyways, no, so this person pulls back. This is heavy. So when it pulls back, the necklace breaks. And this is just to give us an understanding of time. So this man or woman, they'll go to pick up the pearls from the necklace. And by the time they pick up the last pearl, Jannah star uh, 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 Qiyamah starting. Like time is different. That was the purpose of this narration. It's like time isn't the same way. So, so, so understand. So where we're at right now in this journey is this person is in this grave. They're in the barzakh. They're in the qabr. And now we move on to the next, the next part of this, this, this journey. Okay, so moving on, the next thing that we talk about is the nafqat al-sur. 
or the blowing of the trumpet. But before I go into that, I want to break something down. So normally, when you talk about the day of judgment, a sa'a, the word sa'a means the hour. It's that moment. It's the moment that the day of judgment begins, a sa'a. Normally, when you talk about the day of judgment, what we talk about is the signs of the day of judgment. What are some of the things that are going to happen before the day of judgment? For the sake of this class, I've chosen a different strategy. What we're going to do is we're going to continue the journey all the way through the day of judgment to Jannah and Jahannam. And at the end, we'll come back to the signs of the day of judgment because I want to continue the journey. I want everyone to have this, this, this linear understanding of this journey that we're on. So where are we at right now? The world is going on. The Jow comes, Isa comes, all of these signs come that we're going to talk about in detail. And then we come to the, the next moment, which is Nafkhatussur, which is the blowing of the trumpet. How much time until Maghrib? 15? All right, we're good. All right, let's get into this narration. So there's a narration of the Rasul Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. This is where it gets deep, and I need you to picture it and see all of this uh, as vividly as possible. Abu Huraira, he narrates that the Prophet Sallallahu he said, Inna Allah lama faragha min khalqi samawati wal ad when Allah finished creating the heavens and the earth, he created this horn. You can think of it like a trumpet, right? Like uh, you ever see those old like, like army movies where they blow that, that thing? Like that. So it's like this horn, okay? And Allah created this sur. And Allah gave this horn to the angel. His name is Israfil. In English, they... Uh, uh, Safrail or Raphael? Safrail or Raphael? He has one job. This angel, from the moment he was created and given this horn, he's holding it to his mouth. He's already inhaled. And he's looking at the arsh of Allah for the command to blow this trumpet. Like, I, I don't think you, you got to get what that means. This man, this angel has one job. And he's already inhaled. He's already took in the air to blow. Now look. He has this horn on his mouth. And he's looking straight at the arsh. As soon as he's given the command to blow this, this trumpet, this horn. Abu Huraira says, See, this is deep, yo. This is a nice little moment here. Abu Huraira is like, what's a sur? You know how, like, we're hearing this hadith and we, like, oh, everyone knew their words? They were Arab and they were like, uh, what is that? So, so, the, so Abu Huraira's like, what's a sur? I never heard of that before. And so the Prophet said, Qan, like, like a horn, like a horn. Qultu kaifahua. Abu Huraira's like, nah, nah, describe it for me. The Prophet said, Azim, it's huge. Inna adama da'ira, the opening. And this is where you're going to have to use your cinematic skills, yo, to picture this. The opening of the horn, its width is the width of the heavens and earth combined. Like, you, 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 we're talking on a whole other realm of creation. Fa, then he says, He goes, will blow in this trumpet three times. Three times he will blow in this horn. Number one, is nafkhatul faza'a, the nafkha or the blowing that will drive everyone insane. 
It will kill people. It will drive people nuts. We're going to talk about that in detail. Number two is nafqa to sa'iq. It's the nafqa that, it's the blowing that will kill all of creation. And we'll talk about that in detail. And number three, the next time that we will regain consciousness from this journey is nafqa to thalith, the resurrection. So what I want you to understand is I'm going to actually go through the blowing of the horn right now. But what you have to understand is the scholars explain, but for the people of the grave, they won't experience any of this because they're already dead. Does that make sense? Leah, you get what I'm saying? They're already dead. So they won't hear the, the nafqa first one or the second one. But when the third one comes that resurrects everyone, they're like, oh, what's up? What's going on? Right? So, so part of the journey is pause. The next part that we come back when we're cognizant, you could say, is going to be after that third horn. But I want us to go into the second and first because it's so vivid and so deep. So what does the Prophet Sallallahu say? He says the third one will be when everyone stands up before Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So let's go back. Allah will give the order to Israfil who has been waiting from the day he was created. He'll give him the order to, to blow that first blast. He will say now, exhale. It will drive everyone insane. It will drive everyone crazy who is alive. Allah will tell him, stretch it. So, so I read a hadith that says the people alive, and when we get to the signs of day of judgment, at that time there's no one alive but the dregs of society. Like if you think people are bad now, no, no, no. At this moment, every righteous person is gone. And it is the, the, the worst of humanity that is living only. At that moment, the narration says, people around the globe will start to hear this buzzing sound at a very low decibel. And throughout the day, the decibels will increasingly around the entire earth start to get louder and louder and louder and louder. Throughout, and it's a constant sound. And the decibels are slowly going higher and higher. So the narration says, And this angel won't get tired. This is what he was created to do. This is all he knows how to do. And this is what the Quran says, You are waiting only for that one blast, that one shout, and there will be no breaks in between it. You need to picture this. Mountains will move from this sound. They will be as if they just were mirages. The earth will shake violently with the people on it. The earth will be as if it's like a ship. Just like being pushed around by the waves. This is the hadith of Rasul. What al arwah, the souls are being shaken up. The earth is being stretched and pulled while people are on it. The one bearing a child will give, give birth right there. hawamil, a, a woman who's, who's pregnant, she'll miscarry right there. wildan, a child will in that moment get white hair because of how scary that moment is. All of the shayateen are trying to flee and the angels are grabbing them, bringing them together, smiting them in the face. 
And everyone is, I mean, we've seen so many of these things in cinema. Like, people are running. You know, like, when they don't know where to run, but they're just running. Where am I going to go? So people are running in every direction. The hadith narrates, it says, They're calling each other. What's up? Where are we going? What's going on? This is where Allah says, The day of judgment is called because everybody's calling each other. Like, what's going on? What's going on? But who can answer? Nobody knows. While this is all happening, earthquake and the mountains being shattered and people are running around, while this is happening, the earth will start to crack. The earth will start to crack. It says, each segment of the earth is breaking, breaking. The Prophet, see, subhanAllah, how do you describe this moment? The Prophet said they will see something, Amr Azim, something so undescribable as they're witnessing these things. The people will look up at the sky and it will look as if it's moving like, like oil, like when oil is in water. The, the stars will seem to be disappearing. The earth, the sun and the moon will seem to come together. And he says, But the people dead, they have no aware of what's going on. This is only happening to the people living on earth at that time, alive. The Prophet said, The shuhada will, will not experience any uh, anxiety, fear, when all of this is happening. They're alive, they're fine. They're alive, they're fine. Okay. This is a punishment. Remember I told you this will be the worst of humanity? The Prophet says this is a punishment that will come on the worst of creation at that time. And we'll, see, we'll read why that has happened. They've already left all the righteous people. What happens? We're almost done. Every mother will forget her child. Every pregnant woman will, will miscarry. This uh, absolutely blows my mind. The Quran says, And you will see people as if they are drunk, but they're not drunk. Meaning, you know, it's a big room here, whatever. They, they can't walk. They're not, senses are not there. What's going on? Allah says, But they're not intoxicated. But the punishment is so severe that day, it will look that way. Let's just finish a little bit more and then we'll stop. Then what happens next? The earth is being destroyed. This is continuing. Then, Then God tells this same angel, second time now. Blow the second time. Now this is crazy. I know we only have a few minutes, but... This is crazy. This is the second blowing of the trumpet, which is the blowing which will kill every living being, every single one. But listen to how the prophet described it. Then God will tell Raphael to blow in the trumpet, the trumpet of all dying. All shall die in the heavens and earth. All, all, all. 
You know, this thing, some scholars, they say, well, the, the people of Jannah, they won't die, this and that. That's a long discussion. We'll leave it for another time. So everyone is dead. Everyone is dead. All of the creation is dead. So God will say to the angels, they will, he will say, فَمَنْ بَقِيَ Who's left? فَيَقُولُ أَيَّا رَبِّي بَقِيَتْ أَنْتَ حَيُّ الْقَيُّومِ وَبَقِيَتْ حَمَلَتِ الْأَرْشِ وَبَقِيَ جِبْرِيلِ وَمِكَائِيلِ وَبَقِيَ أَنَا وَبَقِيَ So then he'll say, he'll say, the only ones left are you, Allah, you never die. The angels that carry your throne, Gabriel, Michael, and I'm still alive. فَيَقُولُ فَلْيَمُتْ جِبْرِيلِ وَمِكَائِيلِ They must die too, Gabriel and Michael, let them die. It's crazy. فَيَمُوتَانَ They will both die. ثُمَّ يَأْتِي مَلَكُ الْمَوْتِ Then the angel of death comes to Allah. And he will say, Michael is dead. Gabriel is dead. فَيَقُولُ اللَّهُ تَعَالَى Let the angels that carry the arsh die now too. فَيَمُوتُونَ وَيَأْمُرُ اللَّهُ الْأَرْشِ أَنْ يَقْبِضَ سُورَ مِنْ إِسْرَافِيلِ The arsh takes the throne from, the, 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 the uh, horn from Israfil. He says to the angel of death, let Israfil die now too. And he will die. Malakul Mot comes back to Allah. And he says, Ya Rabbi, the Hamlet al Arsh are dead. The angels carrying the throne. Israfil is dead. Jibrail, Mikael. Allah says, Who remains? The angel of death says, Ya Allah, there are only two things that remain. You are alive and I am alive. God will say to the angel of death, You are a creation for my creation. It's time for you to die too. Take your own life out. Take your own life out. Fayamut. then. There's nothing left. La ilaha illa wahid al qahar. At that moment, there's a verse in Surah Zumar. At that moment, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala proclaims, Limanil mulkul yom. Who is the king today? And there's no one, there's nothing. So the response he gives, Lillah, it's for me, I'm the king. I'm the king. And then from that moment, begins the creation back of each angel, each one back, and then the people. And then we'll go into this next week, inshallah, because that's when the second hornet, because he has to bring Israfil, he blows the horn again, and things come back. So as far as the journey is concerned, where are we at the journey? We're at everything that takes place to get us right to that day of judgment. Um, I, I, this is powerful stuff. It's, it's vivid, it's beautiful, it's deep, it's... It's for us to, to appreciate the depth of which the Prophet taught us what will come after we leave. And we are so blessed to be in the Ummah of Muhammad because we have such details about this moment. And we know what's coming. And so uh, today's lesson, we talked about the Adab al-Qabr. Please be motivated to do righteous deeds. We talked about what will protect you in the, in the Qabr. And we talked about you as children, what you do for your parents. What you do for your parents, man. You don't know what it feels like to think even. I, mine are only like eight, nine. To even think. Sometimes me and Sada, we just be joking like, yo, you know like 10 years, they out. We'd be like, man, be quiet, be quiet. Shut up. <laughs> it, you can't even think that they're leaving. 
because you give everything to them. As sons and daughters in this room, man, the least you can do is on a daily basis do istighfar for your father and mother. Every day give sadaqah for them, man. They did everything for you. And so that's the responsibility we have. And then we just, subhanAllah, I mean, forgive me for my references. I do this a lot in class, but I, I think you have to have the ability to envision everything that's being descript, described here. All of the small surahs, either shamsu kuwirat wa either nujumun qadrat, all of these are so vivid, you have to put yourself there and see it so that you get that true meaning of what the Quran is trying to teach us through these Meccan surahs. And that's why the Sahaba, their iman was so strong. Remember I told you at the beginning, this one Sahaba, he's walking around, Prophet's like, how you doing this morning? He's like, yo, I see Jannah. Like, what? How is he seeing that? Because these descriptions were living. They were, they were there. So these descriptions are so vivid for us. Don't let them come and go. Let them stick in your heart so that uh, it becomes a motivator for us to do righteous deeds, inshallah. Uh, we'll pick up from here, inshallah, uh, in our fifth session, inshallah. Let's make a short dua, inshallah. Ya Allah, we ask you to give us the ability to, to do actions that please you, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we all have shortcomings, Ya Allah, but we know you are most merciful, Ya Allah. Forgive us for our sins, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, forgive us for all of our shortcomings, Ya Arhamar Rahimin. Ya Allah, we ask you, give us a connection with your book of Allah, Ya Allah. Allow us to recite it and act upon it, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, all of the actions of ibadah that you love, Ya Allah, allow us to love those too, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask you, Ya Allah, forgive us for our shortcomings, Ya Allah. Oh Allah, forgive our parents, Ya Allah. Forgive our mothers, our fathers, Ya Allah, our brothers, our sisters. Have mercy on them and raise their status in the hereafter, Ya Allah. Ya Allah, we ask you to guide us to the things that you love, Ya Allah. We ask you to give us the love of those people that you love, Ya Arhamar Rahimin. Ya Allah, we ask you to give, the, give us the love of the actions that you love, Ya Arhamar Rahimin. Subhana Rabbika Rabbil Izzati Amma Yasifun. One last thing I didn't mention, the Prophet would always make dua at the end of his salah for protection from adhab al-qabr. So every salah he used to make that dua, oh Allah protect me, protect me, protect me. So uh, don't forget about Suratul Mulk as well, but also in your dua, in your dua after prayer, make that dua, oh Allah uh, forget, uh, you know, protect us min adhab al-qabr, inshaAllah. Uh, Jazakallah